On today's episode, we have a special, special guest. You've seen him before. Michael Weidman is back. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about how actually Christianity relates and is intertwined with this idea of world domination. We're going to take you through the story of Genesis and how this ultimate grand narrative that's playing out plays directly into discipleship. Welcome back to the Created Curious Podcast. If you're new here, this show, we explore the nature of God through conversations, ideas, and stories. And today, we have Michael Wyman in the studio. Welcome. Good late afternoon. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped up on some Dutch bros, and I'm ready, to, I'm ready to rip. And I got some rock star. I always have, like, have something here, whether it's a LaCroix <laughs> Or I just need I need Red Bull to sponsor me. I need LaCroix and something <laughs> else. But um, I think you and me, we're just going to hop right into it because we're buddies. Yeah. So I think you and me have both been kind of seeing the same thing. And I think this yes. has been something through all of history is that uh, people's worldviews are incoherent with how they live. That's right. And so we actually live in this narrative that we create mm-hmm. that isn't actually real. That's right. And you want to kind of relate it real fast to what you said to the to the one division show. Okay. So I, spoiler I, alert. Yeah. Spoiler okay. alert. So if pretty, you haven't watched pretty it. major spoilers for one division. But I've been telling this to, to a handful of people uh, who I'm running into. But the first two episodes, I didn't like too much because basically if you've seen the trailers, there's a sitcom format, and the first two episodes are just sitcom episodes. And But there's definitely some things in there where you're like, what? That's not where you're supposed to happen. <laughs> and then episode three, the, the gates blow wide open, and you're like, oh, this is really bad. So spoiler alert, this is where the spoilers come. Basically, what's happening is um, the Scarlet Witch has these superpowers to... Uh, alter the fabric of reality and control people's minds. And so, spoiler alert, she has stolen the dead body of Vision and has brought him to this town and she has created this zone in the town where everyone inside is mind-controlled and is pretending to be a part of a television show with her and she has reanimated the dead body of Vision to play as her husband. Mm. So I didn't really like the first two episodes because it was like, it's just a sick, like, is this going to be the whole thing? <laughs> but when I saw episode three and the whole thing gets blown wide open, I was super into it because um, it is the perfect analogy for what sin is. Sin is a fantasy world that you create for yourself. Mm. You pretend that you're in charge and that everyone else serves you <laughs> and you get to do whatever you want and play God and you just pantomime these things and you're like, oh, look, my life is just fine and I get to do whatever I want. But it comes at a terrible cost for other people and you do things that are unnatural. Mm. You say like, no, no, this is how I want to live my life. I, um, so, so like in her case, in this specific case, is bitterness, mm. is not being able to get over the grief of the vision's death. And so she reanimates her dead husband. But like, in the same way, when you hold on to bitterness, you're living in a pretend world where me thinking about this mm. thing that happened to me over and over and over and over again is somehow going to get back at the other person. But it's a fantasy right. world. <laughs> like you, like nothing is you're happening. You're hurting between, yourself. You're hurting yourself. And nothing is happening between you and the other person. It's a pretend world where 
I'm, I'm so hurt and I'm a victim and I can't believe you did this to me. But in reality, it's all in your mind. Is that because we hold ourselves to such a high pedestal in our own minds? Like, I can't believe you would hurt me like that. Don't you know who I am? I am me. Yeah. So that's part of the fantasy world <laughs> is that I, you are always the God of your own fantasy world and everyone lives to serve you. Now, we recognize sometimes that if we push people away, that we don't get to be happy anymore, you know? Right. So you'll like be kind and you say like, oh, I want to feel good about myself. I want to be a benevolent God. And so I'm going to be kind to these people <laughs> so that I can feel good about what kind of a person I am. Mm. But in reality, all your life is about how does living this way make me feel? I'm mm. the God of my own life and I'm pantomiming my own little world where everything is about me and how I feel. Mm. And you do unnatural things and you suck other people into it and it hurts them, but you don't care. You're living in your own yeah. fantasy. So we were on campus today, me and Cole Mayer, and we were talking to the, these guys pass by and um, we just throw out a little fish hook and we'd say like, hey man, how you doing? And the typical American is just like, good. See you. And then, yeah, and then I go, I go, oh, really, you're, you're doing good? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm like, oh, really, you're doing good? And they look back at me and they go, no. Mm. Uh, and we go, oh, can we pray for you? And they go, no. no. <laughs> and just what, in their own little, like, you know what I mean? And for one moment, the crack appears. Are you really doing good? No. What, you want to do something about it? Actually, no, I'd, I'd rather my fantasy continue on and nothing intrude into it. Like mm -hmm. it, it was the it was back to back two guys did that exact thing and it was kind of scary. I feel like it's sometimes because you attach to sorrow, like it's comfortable. Like you're like, I know this. Yeah. Like I don't know if like joy and peace everlasting is actually accessible. Yeah. But I know this is pretty much guaranteed that I can. I, I know what sorrow is, and I know I can like kind of find some refuge in it. Yes. And dude, I actually want to share this real fast. So. I just had this incredible testimony and honestly, honestly, I think it's going to revolutionize and change the way I do everything because healing occurred. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I recently, not super recently, but a, a little while ago went through a, a breakup with a girl that I was dating really liked and we were planning on getting married, all this stuff. Wow. Okay. And, uh, it, it was difficult to say the least. Yeah. No kidding. And so I like kind of moved on, but I think what I, what I actually did was I was like, Oh, well, this person has this character flaw, this character flaw, this character flaw. Yeah. So they're actually not worthy of being with me anyway. And I'm on this trajectory because God, you know, God is, I'm totally. special to God and like totally. all of this stuff. And so I'm moving in this direction. So really, you know, I, I'm moving on, but it's because they're this way. Yeah. And so that's not actually forgiveness. That's right. Because you're not seeing them in light of who they are. Yes. It's like, these, it's a fantasy. You've made up a pretend person, and that's why I can't like them. That's right. why I get to dislike them, because they're this pretend person that I In the same up. way, some other religions that we've had some interactions with will create this fake version of Jesus mm -hmm. and worship that because it suits their sensual yeah. ideas of what they can gain. Yeah. Like a planet or something. Yeah. <laughs> but or even like the early Christians, the, the Romans would call them atheists. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? They would call them atheists because the Romans had this. You ever seen uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah. You know the that room with all the faces in it? 
Mm-mm. Okay, so I wasn't that into it. Okay, so Arya, <laughs> I yeah, I stopped basically after this one, but when BC days, I would watch it. So I, right. <laughs> so she walks into this thing, and there's this giant hall full of faces, okay. and it was basically that. But each little nook would have a god in it, mm. you know. And the Romans were like, "Oh, cool! You think Jesus is a god? Like that's fine. Add him to this collection of gods." And they're like, "No." And they go, "No, he is not one of the gods. He's he the god. is the exalted king over the universe." And we will not diminish him to fit into this. We will not make a fake version of him to fit your liking. Right. He is who he is. And and we can't do it. And so they called them atheists because their God wasn't a part of the <laughs> registered, you know? <laughs> That's and, wild. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. It's funny how like um, terms change, mm-hmm. you know, and ideas change and they use them. It's always based upon the individuals the humans objective at the time and so if it fits into your narrative and your objective you'll use it but if it doesn't it doesn't it's like the big bang theory yeah before atheistic scientists rejected it at first because they're like that sounds just like the creation story yeah we don't want you know that to you know be the narrative and then you know years passed decades yeah and then they're like then scientists were like, oh, well, this proves atheism. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. Um, but. Okay, so your testimony. Yes. Yes. So I. You made uh, up a fake person to right, dislike. Right. And and I saw this person. So I kept seeing them just yeah. randomly. And this time it was right after I read Oswald Chambers' uh, devotional, cool. My Utmost. Yeah. And it said, don't expect God to speak exactly how you think he is. And I was asking a very specific prayer. Over a very specific thing. I was like actually asking God. I'm just going to be open about it. Who cares? I was asking God. I was like, hey, how do, what do you think about me dating again? Yeah. You know, just like asking him, like, I want you to tell, like, allow me to know if I'm like in a good place for that. Yeah. And then shortly after I see this person like walking. I was outside in my backyard. It was the first day that uh, it was like sunny and I could spend time with the Lord outside. Yeah. And my, my backyard backs up to a park yeah and i saw this like literally right after i prayed that i saw this person wow. walking in the backyard and i had an emotional response i was like oh man i didn't know what to think either i was just shocked i was like this is this is stupid <laughs> i was like this is stupid <laughs> i called i called caleb and i yeah. called uh my mentor stefan i'm like this is stupid <laughs> like, i think that is actually what you said <laughs> no, I, I was like this is so stupid i like i'm not and what uh, my mentor Stefan said, well, he's like, I think a safe interpretation of that is the Lord wants you to remember what you went through. Hmm. And if, you know, if you're thinking about this again, are you willing to go through something similar again? You know? Okay. And I was like, dude, that's a good idea. But I heard God say, hey, isn't this fun? We get to, t- we get to talk about it. Like, oh yeah, you get to spend time with me talking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm just going to talk to God about it. And that's I spent right. a lot of time talking to God. And I was at Josh Nicholas's Bible study, and by the end, the Holy Spirit just moved in the room, and Josh was like, "I think we need to pray. I think yeah. we need to get on our face and pray." And he's like, "Ask for forg- like forgive people we haven't forgiven." Wow! And in the middle of like the prayers, he doesn't even know, but yeah. the Holy Spirit's moving through him, speaking exactly about my situation. I'm like, "Okay, God, I I got it." And I wasn't like fighting it this whole time. Yeah. And I'm laying there, and my eyes are closed. And I'm like praying and I go through those steps. So first I recognized that how I felt. So I I admitted this person was like, I loved this person. Yeah. 
then that allowed me to actually forgive this person because I no longer was faking yeah. this fake person. Yeah. I actually forgave this person. And then the Lord was like, hey, check it out. wasn't even about her. All she did was open up a wound that was there all along. Wow. Yeah. And so really, you're not hurt by her. You're hurt by your parents' divorce. You're hurt by, you know, your relationship with your mom. Like all, like stuff that you held on to, it's been f- healed in the natural, yeah. you know, in my life. But you had attached yourself to those ideas and those identifiers of who you are based upon wow. those things that happened in your past. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it didn't hurt to look at it. I just looked at it. Yeah. And because the Lord was there with me. Yes. And then I was like, but before that, Michael Meduzia told me, like, the earlier before we went over there, he said, you know, the world will say time heals all wounds. Yeah. He's like, but that's not true. It just scabs over and you become numb to it. Wow. But the Bible says that Lord, the Lord heals yeah. everything. Yeah. And he's like, the Lord needs to heal that. And I was like... Yeah, you're right. I think so. And I, it's not fun to admit that yeah. to yourself. It's like, no, I'm a man. I got over it. You know? Yeah. And I'm laying there and I'm praying, God, I actually believe you can heal me. Yeah. I'm like, God, I, I actually, because bro, let's be honest. Sometimes it's hard to believe that something supernatural can happen to you. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden my eyes are closed. It's like, you know, when your eyes are closed, no lights going into your eyes. Yeah. So it's dark. Then all of a sudden the brightest sun light just feel fills my whole vision and then i just you know like those chinese like like dong things like like fills my whole vision and i I feel like a pulse not even in my body but just like i don't even know how to describe it my conscious whatever just go and this like vibration happen and then i feel the lord stick his hand down touch my heart like he was touching like water and the ripples go and then I knew instantly I was healed. It was over. It was over. Wow. And bro, since then, I've been walking in pureness of peace and confidence. Like people's opinions do not affect me <laughs> at all. It's so weird because it's like a superpower. Yeah. I'm like, it's really like I don't like care if you I don't care if you kill me. Yeah. I don't care if what you think about me. Yeah. As long as my if I'm in right standing with my God. Yes. And it's been amazing because it was like I took off this backpack of bricks. Yes. After all of these years, and finally, like, found real freedom because of the divine intervention of God, like touching me. Just it wasn't even like, like, oh, I'm gonna massage your heart. I'm yeah, gonna, like, yeah, yeah. Give you a hug. It was like, boom, it's over. One touch. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Because so, of that faith. Anyway, so I think that let's jump in. What we're talking about. What we're talking about is this. We prayed right before this that the Lord would give His family, His sons, boldness. And when I say sons, I also include daughters. Yes. But the Bible says sons. So it is what it is. The language, God would give yeah. his family, sons and daughters, boldness. And, and, right, and so what we're saying right now is that if you can get the story that the Bible proclaims over our lives into your heart, and it's going to be a supernatural thing, but if, if you can get that story into your heart, it will change everything. Mm. If you can really look at what God says is reality, it will change everything yes and, a, and, a, and so what we're talking about right now is that what god has decreed for humanity is to take over the world it's not a quaint thing like christianity is not a quaint thing it's not a holy huddle 
it, it this this message um, must be preached. It will take over the world. The mission of the Christian is to take over the world, mm. and and that is what it is. That is the reality of what God has given to us in this book mm. is to take over the world. And if you can get that into your heart, it will change you. It will mm. change you. So where this is, and this is the best part about it. I'm we're gonna do. Uh, the Bible's about 1,200 chapters or so, and we're going to do 12. It says 1% or so, or so, right? Is that the right math? Yes. 12 over 1,200 right. is like 1%. Yeah. Or 1 1,000th even. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's 1 I'll make communications major. Okay. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to cover 1% of the Bible. Gotcha. But that is going to be the entire story of the Bible. Mm. Or that is going to be the seed that the rest of the Bible plays off of. And mm. the key is, um, if you've ever read Eternity in Their Hearts, um, so basically, if you want to if you want to have this conviction for yourself, three books, Eric Sowers, King of the Earth, um, Eternity in Their Hearts by Don Richardson, and the last one is, um, oh, I forget it right now. I had it right before the show. Um Oh, uh, The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. Those three I was books. I literally thinking that. It like popped into my mind. <laughs> so those three books are, are going to be, basically if you want to look at this up yourself, those three books are going to be this. So Don Richardson, King, in, uh, not Kings of the Earth, uh, that's his other book, Eternity in Their Hearts, mm. says the entire Bible is missions. And mm. the way I'm saying it right now is the entire Bible is world domination. Missions is world domination. That this message is going to take over the world. Mm. And that's what it's meant to do. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to enter into Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Yes. Um, both in the text, but also in our imaginations. Yeah. Okay. I do want to mention something that you said. You said 12 chapters equals the 1,200 yeah, that are in one, the Bible. Yeah, 1% 1 of, 1 of this book, the first 12 chapters, yeah. is going to be the seed that the rest of the Bible just spins out and right. plays off of. Right, and the whole Bible is talking about planting seeds, the, the seed of Mary, uh, the, the seed of uh, Eve uh -huh. um, or the seed of the woman. Yeah. And when you look into the scriptures, what one of the coolest things about it is that over thousands of years from different prophets, from different people inspired by God, you see this divine pattern yep. occurring and things just fit in like a puzzle. Yep. And that's one of the coolest things and it actually is a testament to God's goodness and yes. to the design of creation because you can find similar patterns in the things that we do the way we think yep. and who we are as humans as well okay and so it's like yeah that no that's literally what we're going to talk about okay is the the seed is the perfect metaphor because it's this is the start of every pattern in scripture afterwards that like the tree that here's the seed and the tree with all of its beauty and all of its variation comes from this everything is found here and every variation afterwards is just a play on what began. Right. That exact puzzle piece <laughs> pattern. Like this is this is it. Let's jump in. Okay. So I'm gonna start in a fun. So I finished Genesis, and then I was gonna move on to Exodus, and then I was like, Nah, I want to talk about Genesis with Bailey. So I started yes. over, and right when I started over, it was like yesterday or two days ago. The Lord showed me this cool thing, and it's um, in Genesis three, or sorry, Genesis chapter one. Um, on the third day, you know what happens on mm. the third day? 
The third day, on the third uh, day. God separates the dark from the light? That's, that's day one. Okay. So day one is dark from light. The day, sun and the moon. Uh, that's day four. Okay. So day three is um, the plants. Is He creates okay. dry land and he puts plants there. Which people have always wondered, um, or I have, ha- I have gotten asked this question. I've never had a good answer um, before, but plants need sunlight. Right. So how did God make plants on the day before he made sunlight? And it goes like this. Um, and God said, this is verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Mm. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So that that word, so this is what I looked into, because we're going to get to the other word right after. The earth brought forth. So my wife right now is um, is starting a garden. It's really fun. Wow. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we bought all this soil, and we've got this planter box outside of our house. You can drive by, see it from the front. And we're starting to plant these seeds. And um, so some you have to directly sow into the soil, but some of them you can put into like a little ball of soil Mm. and it'll start to grow. And then you put the growing plant into the place where you want it to finish off. So then you put the seed, all the right conditions occur, and then the seed is called germinate. And and then it begins to like the sprout goes up and the roots go down and and the seed cracks open. So what this means, the earth brought forth grass and, the, and all the other stuff. What that means is basically that the seed itself was created and the conditions were waiting to become right for the seed to, mm. to germinate. So that word is to germinate, is to begin to have the right conditions to grow. So God didn't create a fully formed plant. He created the seed that was ready to grow but had not grown yet because, Genesis chapter 2, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. Before it grew. And that grew is when you see the shoot of the plant start to come up Mm. above the earth. So God made these seeds and he didn't yet grow them out of the earth and here's why and here's the key point for the lord god had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground okay Uh so why was why had the plants not grown yet over the earth uh there there wasn't uh there was wouldn't be able to be a harvest because there was no person to harvest that's right god was waiting to put it the responsibility of it into the hands of man. Mm. God prepared something that wasn't done yet, was waiting for man to take responsibility for it. Mm. So we imagine that the, we have these. Why? Okay. <laughs> we have these picture books, with these, these picture books from our childhood. That it was all grown. The and whole they- earth was this lush jungle with, monkeys swinging from vines and you know all the all the animals are there's a giraffe and a lion and the, all the things my my little one-year-old has has <laughs> these books that the whole world is this the whole world is this jungle and but that's not what the bible says mm. the bible says that the earth was a bare rock 
with the possibility of growth, but was waiting for a human being to take responsibility for it. The garden was a seed itself. Uh, okay, so then <laughs> the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he had formed, and out of the ground and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. So the whole earth is this bare rock waiting for, for mankind to take responsibility for it. And then God forms man. Uh, yeah, okay, so the part we skipped was God forms man, and then God himself, with Adam there, plants a garden and shows Adam how, how to, to do, do the it. garden. Hmm. God shows Adam how to do it. And then he puts him there and skip forward to dress and to keep it. So to answer that question about the light, the, the plant doesn't need light before it sprouts up. The light and the, and the warmth and the light is what causes the seed to go, okay, it's time now. Oh. Right? So gotcha. it's in the seed and it's ready to go um, when the light comes. And when man is there to take responsibility for it, to water it, to tend it. to And so to, to explain something, though, the Genesis isn't like a science textbook. Right? I would say, so it would be the same thing. <laughs> My wife gets really frustrated with me because I'll come home and I'll relate to her something that someone said, like some, a conversation that I had on campus. And then I'll say, well, well, that's not exactly what happened, but that's my retelling of what happened. If you were there, would my retelling be a lie? Mm, no. No. Would it be video camera security <laughs> footage of what happened at that time? No. No, but it wouldn't be a lie. It would be... So the point, yeah. the point is, this book, what is happening in Genesis 1 and 2, is not untrue, but it right. is, it's, it's being told for a purpose with a meaning. So how we relate to creation. Right. Supposed so to teach us how. It's, it's, okay. it, is, it is true, but it is for the purpose of teaching. It's not for the purpose of science. It is accurate to science, but it's not for the purpose of science. Mm. So the more we learn about science, the more it matches up with the Bible. Um, and, I will, and I will bank my entire life, and I am banking my eternity, on the fact <laughs> that when we know all the true science, we will see, oh, that's what the Bible was saying all mm. along. We, name, we may not be able to interpret the Bible, and sometimes you can. There's a really cool story. Um, there's a building at the Naval Academy. My dad went to the Naval Academy. There's a building there named after the guy who discovered ocean currents. There's a verse in Psalms chapter 8 that says, you uh, created the paths of the seas. Mm. And his daughter was reading him the Bible late at night, and he heard her read that phrase, the paths of the seas. And he goes, okay, if the Bible says they're there, I'm going to find them. And he discovered ocean currents. <laughs> wow. Because he banked on... Genesis on, on Psalm chapter eight, meaning what yeah. it said. Well, that's Imagine something. how much money we'd save if we actually just and went by the Bible. It yeah. revolutionized yeah. ocean, ocean travel. Right. And cut months of travel into weeks. Let me. So there's a quote by Albert Einstein that I I literally just found last night and I added it to our website because Eli always talks about uh, that exact thing. How mm-hmm. how uh, all the biggest scientists in history were Christians. Yep. And um and a lot of people don't really even know that or care to know it at least. Yeah. And so it has been intentionally scrubbed from right. our 
right. public school education. Right, right. Propaganda. Real, real shame. One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose a holy curiosity. Yeah. Albert Einstein. Yeah. Because you, what the Bible does is it shows you that we're living in a divine reality, mm-hmm. and it shows you that there's wonder. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't figured it all out because we are inside of it, you yeah. know? Um, and one, one thing to mention on top of that is like neurochemistry and uh, neurology these days have said like, oh, well, you know, thinking good thoughts yeah. will lead to healthy body. That's right. And that's what, like, you know, if we've you forgive been people, <laughs> yeah. you will have a yeah. healthy body. No kidding. Just what the Bible said 2000 years ago, right. but you still haven't done it anyway. So uh, what we're trying to, what we're trying to go towards here is we're looking at the origins of Genesis so we can understand how we relate to reality and how we should walk through in discipleship. That's right. Now. Okay. So, so we basically have the setup. So here's, okay, I got to go, I got to do one thing. This okay. is really cool. <laughs> okay, so there's the whole, there's the whole earth. Yes. And then God says, in Eden. So in Eden, so here's the whole earth. There's a region called Eden. Mm. And in Eden, there's a garden. And in the midst of the garden is the tree of life. Now, people before Jesus' time had caught on to this. But you have the camp of Israel. And then you have um, the temple courtyard. Mm. And then you have in the temple courtyard, the temple itself. So the, the temple courtyard, analogous to Eden. You have within the temple courtyard, the temple itself, analogous to the garden. And within the garden, you have the, the tree of life, which is analogous to the holy of holies, the hotspot mm. of God's presence. So God instructed Moses to build the temple as a model, or the tabernacle, and then the temple as a mo- like scale model, if you will, of Eden. To point so, back. So when you approach the Holy of Holies, it is as if the high priest, as Adam, is approaching the tree of life. Wow. You you go, and so that's the thing. Adam and Eve leave toward the east. The temple is pointed toward the east. So that you're coming back mm. into Eden, into the garden, up to the tree of life, when you approach this, the, the throne of God. Mm. So let me ask you this question then. If, if that pattern remains true, is the earth the seed of the universe? Like, In a sense, I think, yeah. When Jesus returns and establishes his government on earth and restores all of creation back to the garden back to where it was intended to be uh-huh. will we in theory at least not based on the scriptures but will we expand to all the universe because if you think about it if the be fruitful and multiply still reigns true uh-huh. then there must be somewhere for us to go and we have galaxies and planets all over and this ever expanding universe yeah so okay. in my so, head that makes sense so we'll get to that okay well actually we'll get right there okay so that's the setup there's a place 
full of the divine presence. And that's the point of telling the temple thing, is that Eden is where the divine presence resides. That's where God says, I'm going to make my home on earth. And he wants us to eat of the tree. And he wants us to continually life. be coming to him mm. to eat and sustain. The um, in, ch- in chapter 3 it says, uh, lest they take of the tree of life and live forever. Being in the presence of God is itself life. John, uh, Jesus in John chapter 17 says, to know you, which is eternal life. Mm. Like being in the presence of God is itself eternal life. Not facts about Jesus, not right doctrine, but being in the presence of God is the thing that mediates the right. eternal life. That's the that's how the that's how Eden works. That's how the temple works. That's how. So sure. Eden is the place where God has made His presence to dwell. Adam and Eve are there. Learn, Adam has learned how a garden is to grow. He is given command to dress and to keep it, which basically means to cultivate what's there. Yes. And to keep it. Um, Protect it. Uh-huh. It's a military word. Right. The way we mm. use the word keep, right? The keep is the, is the place, is the defensive place. It's a military mm. word. So he is to cultivate what is there hedges of protection uh yeah <laughs> he is to cultivate what's there and to and to advance ground right to take more ground mm. take from a source of divine love and instruction to go out to the place that is not yet garden and cultivate and make that belong to god too mm. and make that livable for humanity and make is this because god knows in his divine wisdom, that man without purpose or a story without something to do or like it's just in his character to invent something that is not yet fully cultivated in a sense. Okay, so why did God create mankind or anything at all? Why did God create man and put him in the garden? Why? Relationship. Okay, what kind of a relationship? Uh, like a father to a son. That's right. In the old days, uh, today, you can be whatever you want to be. Actually, <laughs> still in some countries today, and in the old days, um, the son would be whatever the father was. Mm. The son would always grow up to take his father's trade, especially the firstborn son. The firstborn son would grow up to be whatever his father was. That's how it works. And you don't have any choice. Your father loves you, instructs you in this trade. You inherit what he is. And the father's identity gets passed down to the son's identity. Yeah, because like entrepreneurship in Western culture, like I've talked to other people, like I have a really close Chinese friend and he's like, I just, I'm, I'm amazed by how entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. like you Westerners are because we don't think that way Mm -hmm. at all. And it's really cool that he's like, it's really cool to see, see that. But it's just, we assume that that's how it is in every culture. Yeah. But it's not. So that independent spirit has a place in God's kingdom. But the way, but what that is, is discipleship. What I am gets Mm. imparted little by little into you until you say, I need to impart this to somebody else. And then you turn around. So what God, so what God wants from Adam is not just a relationship where they chummy hang out. but is a relationship where Adam slowly grows into the image of God. Mm. Adam slowly looks more and more and more like God. And for God to do that, he can't just give Adam 
a playground to do whatever he wants. To look like God means to have purpose because God mm. has purpose. God right. has goals. God has desires. God has, right? So, so God made this world and God said, I want you to become like me. And so I'm going to lead you and I'm going to give you a, my world to rule over. Mm. I want you to take over my world. It's in your hands now. You're going to be in control of it on my behalf. It's mine. The, whole, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But you are going to mediate. I'm going to mediate my rule through you. And I'm going to give more and more and more responsibility to you as you are worthy of it. Mm-hmm. As you grow more like me. The more you're like me, the more, which is how a father and a son works. <laughs> yeah. My child, I don't say, would you? what would you like for dinner? I say, here is your dinner. <laughs> yeah. But one day I will ask, what would you like for dinner? And then maybe I'll ask her to make dinner. And then, so as she grows, more and more responsibility is given to her as she is capable of right. standing it. So God makes this entire world and he says, you are going to rule it on one condition. What's hmm. the condition? You live in my will? Um, one condition. That I wouldn't is. say will. Okay. Uh, really, it's that you trust me. Mm. If you make up your own rules about how to think, that's why we talked about the WandaVision, the fantasy land. Right. If you make up your own rules about how this works, that's not how this works. If you trust me and live by what I say is right, then then we're going to be okay. Mm. You can have as much fun discovering, playing, creating, building, growing, yeah. living enjoying life everything we want out of life is what was promised if you trust my way of doing it and i as god tell you or describe to you what good is that's right that's exactly right so that's an interesting point god says in chapter one that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good that is very good in chapter three (laughs) is the first time that a human being says I think that's good. Mm. And it's to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So why is it the... why? Hmm. If they already knew what was good, why isn't it only the knowledge of the tree of evil? Right. Because it's not about just stepping into doing bad things. It is an, an entire rearranging where now I get to decide what is good and what is evil. Essentially, I live in a fantasy world where I get to be God. Right. And I get to say, that's good, that's good. I don't like that. That's bad. But the truth is we're not God. That's right. The truth is God has a reality for us to live in. And the tree of the garden of good and evil is to step outside of that and make up my own rules. Live however I want. And we're not changing what reality is. Mm -hmm. We're just making up stuff. I, so I use this (laughs) example on campus, all of our music, all of our movies, all of our culture, all of our Twitter, whatever, yeah. says that having sex outside of marriage is great, wonderful, that's what love is. Right. What if all of our movies, all of our music, all of our Twitter, all of our culture said, if you jump off of a building, you will fly? <laughs> yeah. And then someone said, I heard, who's really famous right now? I don't know who's really famous right now. Uh, I, I heard know. Billie Eilish <laughs> sing about flying, right. so I'm going to jump off of this building and the rules of reality do not change right. because somebody repeats it over and over. It does not change reality. You will still fall and die. The problem is that we, 
as humans have been indoctrinated to believe based because we we've went against the the christian worldview the the biblical worldview and we're saying well no like the laws of gravity and things yeah we subscribe to that Mm -hmm. but the laws of morality yeah those don't actually affect us but there's clear evidence that it does both in society and an individual basis Mm -hmm. you you mentioned the sex outside of marriage thing let's just hone into that or even the you're talking about neuroscientists are saying if you forgive people it is good for your (laughs) mental health right there i mean the science is catching up to the bible Mm. but the bible was saying all along you ought to forgive people with no it didn't bother to tell you it just said this is reality you ought to forgive people and then Science catches up to say, yeah, this is reality. If you forgive people, your life is better. The Bible just held it out. This is reality. You ought to do this. All along, I you, I said this last night at our small group, um, syphilis can be eradicated in one generation. Mm. STDs, all STDs can be eradicated in one generation. Sure. By abstinence. Right. <laughs> just doing what the Bible says. Monogamous sexual Come relationships. Come on, Michael. You can't Monogamous that. sexual relationships. <laughs> yeah. And STDs will be eradicated in one generation. Exactly. You just The Bible says, do not do this. Right. If you would just obey the Bible. Just listen. You live in reality. The reality that God designed. Disease would be eradicated. Their sexually transmitted diseases would be eradicated. Yeah. And that's not the only consequence of that's sex right. outside of marriage. Like most of what is wrong with our society stems from that exact a sin. A whole lot 100%. of it. Yeah. A whole lot of it. The point is, the tree of the knowledge and good of good and evil was Adam and Eve stepping out of the reality and making up your own. But it doesn't work. Mm. You will fall off the building and you will die. That's how that that's because that's the reality you're living in. No matter what you say, no matter what fantasy you've mm. made up. Um, Kyle Volkmer has said. I don't know if he said it originally, but Kyle Volkmer has said, uh, reality has a way of impinging upon your fantasy. Right. <laughs> you live out your fantasy world, but reality will step in. That's There's why a- when we go on campus and we speak the truth, it can make people mad. That's right. Because reality is impinging upon your mm. fantasy. But what I'm telling you is not my opinion. What I'm telling you is this book is describing reality. Because if I, because because we're on campus and, and the, I think the theory or the word you used before we started was, uh, if I say, "Hey guys, do you know the spaghetti monster? Yeah, the wild spaghetti <laughs> Jesus monster. Jesus Christ, the spaghetti monster." <laughs> People would just be like, "Yeah, that's cool, bro. See ya." Like they wouldn't get angry, but you say, "Do you know the 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 God of the universe?" And yeah. they're like, "I can't believe you would ever just ask me that." That's right. <sighs> that's okay. If you add. The the same thing when we talked about the Jesus being added to the other gods. If you just add like, well, here's a good way of thinking about the world, maybe. You know, Mm. if you'd like to live in this fantasy instead of that one, here's an option. But that's not what we're saying. We're saying this is reality. Right. Actually, you must conform to it or you will die. Yeah. And and, and that's loving. Not because we will kill you because you're killing yourself. That's exactly right. Okay. So how do I get there? We're trying to save you from self-destruction. That's right. Okay, so we're gonna get. So okay. now we're gonna get there. Oh, this is why the planet thing. Sure. Adam and Eve were meant to take over the world, and in discipleship, God says, the entire point of Genesis one and two is to say, God says, I'm gonna make you look like me, 
and I'm going to give you responsibility and I'm going to teach you how to rule and reign over the animals, over the plants, over the... And then you have a child and then you teach your child and then you send them out and they take over a little bit of... They have responsibility over this little bit of earth and they cultivate it, they grow it, they have children and then they teach their child this is how we grow. This is how we rule. This is how we love God. This mm. is how we serve Him. And then you send them out, and they cultivate a new piece, and they grow, and they right. And that right. is discipleship. Mm. That's how discipleship takes over the world. That is world domination. Mm. God has this planet for us that is just waiting for mankind to take responsibility over it. I was thinking about um, in heaven, uh, there will be no predator and prey. Mm. animals won't kill each other but if you they've done this study where they took wolves out of Yosemite and then the deer got overpopulated and the deer overgrazed the grass right so the predator prey relationship we're taught in elementary school is a key element in keeping the world normal right like in keeping the I think I think the book was like wolves affect rivers or something like that yeah the rivers dried up yeah because you took the wolves out okay so if the if predator prey relationship is a key part of the ecosystem how will heaven operate if you if there's no predator prey relationship because man will take its because mankind will take responsibility for the ecosystem hmm. mankind will rule that was the original design the reason there is a predator prey relationship is because mankind is not doing its job if hmm. mankind does its job and tends and keeps the ecosystems of earth there is no need yeah. for a predator-prey relationship. That's like the interesting thing that we've talked about a lot, whereas where Christianity spreads, plants mm-hmm. and animals start to flourish. And mm-hmm. you see, like you can look at these maps of, let's just say it how it is, these these digital images of Islam, and mm-hmm. whenever where it would spread, everything would become barren. That's right. North Africa was, was in Roman times the breadbasket of the Mediterranean. Every, all the grain of the Mediterranean and of the Roman Empire, was grown in North Africa, and now mm. it's desert. Mm. What happened? Islam. <laughs> Not only that, but what does the Bible say is going to happen when Jesus comes back? We're going to beat our swords into plowshares. That's right. Wow. That's right. So the original Bible vision is that mankind would take responsibility and then teach his son how to take responsibility and rule in a loving trust relationship with God himself. And from a source of divine power and wisdom, go out and take over a new piece of ground. If that doesn't sound like the spread of Christianity through discipleship, that's the spread of Christianity through discipleship. It has not changed. And not only that, it sounds exciting. It sounds fun. It sounds like... You know, your your heart and your spirit just seeing out like, okay. yes, 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 yes. So here's the other part that, that I didn't mention, but it's important. Taking over new ground sounds like fun to you and me because we're men. Mm. But here's the other part. Dress and keep it. I don't remember who said this. I think this is sour in, in King of the Earth. To keep it, the military term, is inherently is a masculine thing. Right. I mean, protection. Right? There's, there's like, there's Defend. guys who go this way and there's... Uh, um, there's guys who have the desires of the feminine and that doesn't mean they're girls. It just means that, you know, anyway, yes, (laughs) the masculine, there's the, there's that thing that 
calls out to men, yes, take over, like responsibility, work with my hands, you know, raise up sons. The cultivate piece, there's build a home and mm. and make sure it flourishes and make it make it a gl- gorgeous place for the children to be raised in. Mm. That that's that's all my wife right there. Right. Is make a gorgeous home that is a fitting environment for our children to it, grow up in. And it's not and it's and it's not that it excites the masculine man, but what the but it's like, wow, that I want that. Yes. Like I want to be there. Yes. Where that has been, you know, flourished and established. Yes. Like we're like, yes, like, you know, especially for you that being a married man, you're like this is right. Yes. You know? I, I, that is the world <laughs> that I live in as a Christian. Right. Is I am setting an atmosphere to raise my child and I'm going to teach them in a loving, trusting relationship with God to um, take responsibility for the earth that they've been put on. Mm. And one day they will go to a different place, to a new family, and do the same thing over again and mm. take over there. The, the whole thing is about spreading, spreading, spreading mm. until the whole earth is filled, world domination. Mm. There's not a place that's supposed to be left untouched by God's loving care in the responsible hands of a Christian right. person. So like uh, the in theory, the, the man establishes, the woman sustains, but who's to say one is better than the other? You need them both. Right. The garden that I start will die if it wasn't for my wife. Right. Right? The... The wife who is focused on a on growing the garden may not have the eyes to see the place that's not yet taken. That you need them both. They're mm. they're different, but if you if you're missing one piece, you lose the whole thing. Right? Because my like my favorite thing ever to do, and I, I can't remember when I was talking about this, but is to find a path and explore it. That is my favorite thing to do, and I, I don't need someone to come with me and say hey, we should go this way or we should go this way or we should go this way. I don't mind if people suggest that, but most of the time I have this instinctual way of finding really cool spots. I don't know how it is, but I'm like, there's something over there then and that's the direction we need to go. It always happens and it always works. Every time I find yeah. a really cool spot, no matter what, if I explore a new area, it just happens. I don't know why that is. It's a gift. Yeah. Uh, but what I what I want is someone willing to come. Yeah. You know? And that, you and know. you will probably never instinctually make that place a home. You'll right. find it. It'll be cool. You'll be like, "All right, next one." Yeah, like <laughs> that's and that's you. But for this thing to work, you need someone who says, "No, this place too. This place needs to become a home." Mm-hmm. And to tend, you are the keep. Go find, conquer. But there needs to be the tending, or it doesn't work. Right. If there's there's the keep and the tend, and there's both. So there's a place in God's world for the right. for this personality and that personality, and they both have to, and that's what the church does. Yeah, you do church planting, and you tend. Okay, we're gonna t- we're gonna spread in this community, and we're gonna make a home for the people who live in College Station. But there's also the keep, world missions, send, go hard places, Iraq, mm. Iran, China, take over plant go apostolic type both. vision you need both if you always are looking at your community the whole the, you will not take over the world and, and if you're your always community looking, will die yeah that's right <laughs> if you're not looking it's weird okay that's the other part if you miss the other piece the it becomes corrupt and it right and it becomes insular and it, yes you have to have so 
So let's just trans- transition there because th- this is a, what we're going to talk about. We can get back to the story if you want to explain more of it and how we continue there. But this, w- when we lose our mission as Christians, we lose Christianity. Yes. In entirety. Okay. Be, um, God's vision is to take over the world. And I'm not saying that now because it's fallen in sin. That right. was always God's way. Or even more rightly, it's to say God's vision for you, Christian, is that you would rule. Right. You would have responsibility to rule over a piece of his earth and take care of it, make it your own, and conquer it for him. And he's still the head. And he Right. You make it fit for his place. Right. You say, this is my thing that I'm going to take responsibility for, for Jesus. This is going to be beautiful in Jesus' name, for mm. his sake, because he wants the whole world covered in a loving, trusting relationship. So and we're re- co-rulers. And we're co- in a, you cannot fathom, you know, yeah. divine, <laughs> like, that he would share this world with us. Right. But that that's what this book says. <laughs> Is that he yeah. wants to give you a little piece of his heart and say, no, this is really going to be yours to take care of. Mm. And it is entrusted to your responsibility. If it, it sinks and falls if you don't put in the effort. It's very special. And it's su- it's very crazy. Yeah. It, so this narrative will blow your mind and get a hold of your heart. That you it really hangs on you. Someone's life around you right now hangs on you mm. saying, no, you need to love Jesus. And, and it's my job to share that message with you. Yeah. So it what it it's less about Christianity will die if we don't propagate, but it's more like this thing. Right. The the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God. And people getting synced with reality trumps reality itself making their lie uncomfortable. That's so, right. So this lie that people are living in the reality of it the people people's need to to know god and join in and our need for them really mm-hmm. we we need them that's exactly just right. as much as they need to be a part of this grand narrative that's exactly right the you are one expression of an infinite god yes there are things in you that i don't understand but yeah. They are things that I ought to understand because that's what God's like. That thing that to hunt and explore, it's just not me. Mm. But it is what God is like. And looking at you, I can say there's something about God that is discover, explore, find. Mm. And there's something about me. I know some of them. I don't know all yeah. of them. But there's something about me that is God. And there's something about that lost guy I met on campus today mm. that is I, if I don't see God in him, there is a piece of God lost forever hmm. that I will ne- that the world will never get again. And you need every part of the body in order for it to be fully operational, not as a machine, but as a as a as an organism. That's right. You know, as something living has life. And for me and you, somehow God placed us together to where we're close to the close in, in part and so yeah we get along in this weird way like right from the beginning we're like oh, okay like yeah let's let's get this going that's right and, and but but if you ever had trouble in community it's like sometimes you 
an, two parts of the body aren't necessarily made to be right next to each other. You're yeah. still a part of the same body, but conflict occurs when you try to fit into a place that you're not actually made for. Yeah, or or even more so, there are people in my life, in in you know, that I'm like, I don't get you, <laughs> but I must say I need you. Yes. If I say I don't need you, it's over. And then, and then real conflict will begin. Mm. I don't need you. Like imagine, you know, <laughs> that's a very demonic mindset. That is absolute. That is the mindset of Satan. Mm. I don't need God. I can, I can rule this world on my own. That is the fantasy land mm. who the, our entire reality, the Bible says the, our entire reality is upheld by God himself. He mm. is holding the pieces together. I don't need God. <laughs> Is it's and it's insane. It's a fantasy. I don't need God. Or even to say, I don't need my brother. Yes. And and then to go on. Because in a way that's saying I don't need God. That's right. It's an attitude that begins and then it doesn't matter who else fits in that slot I don't need. The the fact is that's a fantasy. You need other people. I don't you, need community. All I all I need is to sit back with my Bible. I have my relationship with God, and you have your relationship, and that's just how it's gonna be, bro. Cause like, you know, you don't know anything about me. It's acute. It's already formulating accusations. That's right. In your own heart, bro. When you do that, <laughs> we can't get into this because of time. Maybe some other time I'll talk about. Or if you just if you just find me, just ask me. I shared with Cole today this little thing the Lord gave me, which was. Ways to make sure you never get saved. Mm. And basically, one of them is that. You, it's, what it really sinks down to, like, you can look into it yourself, is basically you, you act like the devil. Slander, lie, accuse, and you're the adversary. Mm. And, and one of them is the, the slanderer. I don't need you. You're, you, don't, you don't mean anything to me. You don't get me. me. Yeah. You can't live my life. I don't, you, I don't need you. But what you're left as is you're just a nose. Mm. The coolest and thing is when we when we relate to God, we can relate to everybody. We didn't right. have to experience the hardship that you went through to say, "Oh, I understand," because it's like the Maverick City song where it's like, "He had no place to lay his head, but he understands." You know that song? It's like foxes yeah. have holes, but anyway, sounds cool. It's talking about Jesus, like what he went through. He understands, like he he didn't have a place to lay his head, like yeah. You know, he, he understands what you're going through, and that's part of why he yes. became man. So my drive, when I look at the fields that are white for harvest, and I see somebody, that is a heart. In, in all honesty, this isn't PC or whatever, but Jesus Christ wants to conquer. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. It's his. It belongs to him by right. Mm. To withhold it from him is a lie. It's a fantasy. It belongs to him. He gives you the, he gives you the ability to walk away and withhold it from him. But, but it's, it's his. Right. And my job as a Christian is to take over the world. Right. Is to Tower say, of Babel. All this belongs <laughs> to Jesus. Right. And I, okay, you want to go there? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> 
what we don't have time is so so is there anything in between there that you wanted to okay touch? um so you talked about sin okay so the fantasy the fantasy land okay. yeah, when you not. live in fantasy it deteriorates your life cannot be sustained by why living. is that um well the, we use the gravity we use the gravity right. thing right you are living against what is actually going on there's real effects in reality there's real effects right you jump off a building you will fall that's reality so is sin just going against reality in which god set into place um so sin is a rebellious spirit against god Mm. i don't want to do what you say i want to do what i want to do that's that is sin in all of its various forms i want to do what i want to do we're so messed up bro (laughs) like we are so messed up. So and here's and here's, God says in Genesis chapter six, He says um, to to Noah. This is so interesting. I talked to to to, to one of our friends in Austin. Oh yeah, we didn't even get to Noah, bro. I talked to one of our <laughs> friends in Austin, and he was like, saying how God committed genocide, mm. and I and I and I noted I I kind of with the flood kind of got yeah with the flood I kind of got where he was coming from, and I noted to him I said. Be careful there. Um, the Bible does not say that God was angry right. when he sent the flood. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. This is what it says. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come up before me. And the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Mm. You listen very carefully. Mm. The end of all flesh has come up before me. He did not say, I am going to end all flesh. Mm. He says the end of all flesh is already so, here. So they led it to this point where if it got to that point, this is the result. The, the when people live in sin you will destroy your life god has the god doesn't have to send the flood can, the earth is already destroyed can you relate it to a computer getting a virus or being filled with too many documents and it slows it down so you're just like i'm gonna do a clean reset um it kind of makes it barbaric it seems like but uh but like you have to wipe like you have like i wipe my macbook once a year pretty much just clean because it'll bog down, it'll start slowing down, and it doesn't operate the way it was supposed to, unless I do a... The way um, the end of all flesh has come up before me. I, so the best way that I can think of to put it is Romans 1. Hmm. Is if what... God's wrath does mean he does do things, but it's also framed as this. God turns away, and he can't watch anymore. There's this, there's this verse, it says, um, You, O Lord, whose eyes are too pure to look on sin. Mm. And it's not like God says, like some Victorian, Ugh, Oh, can't, st-, you know? He's heartbroken. It's actually like my two-year-old. Mm. I would not let my one-and-a-half, one-and-a-half, my one-and-a-half-year-old, I would not let her watch a scary movie. Why right. would I put, what it really is, is like, Oh, I can't, I can't look at this right now. I, that's... Yeah, his eyes are too pure. He's innocent, mm. and to to take in all that stuff is, I wouldn't put my one and a half year old through that. Mm. So it's, what is the innocent heart? And so God, if you say 
I want nothing to do with you. I'm over it. I want to go my own way. There comes a point when God says, I'll let right. you. I'll let you do it. And that naturally, the other thing, um, this actually, this thread starts in Genesis 3, or in Genesis mm. 2. He says, the day you eat of it, you will die. Mm. Not the day you eat of it, I will kill you. Right. The day you eat of it, this is the natural consequence of what happens when you eat it. Just because I made it this way. Um, if you walk away from me, you will die. Mm. Walk the, away from the source of life. If you walk away from the source of life, you will die. Mm. If you eat of it, you will die. Not I will kill you. It's not out of anger. Mm. It's just this is the natural. Con- if you jump off that building, you will die. And and so this is what he's saying in Genesis 6. The end of all flesh has come up before me. It's already over because the world is given over to sin. Basically, God is just giving the world what is already happening. Mm. You are destroying the earth. What What is it if I fill it with a flood? So this is why we... It's so essential to understand this story and the narrative of the Bible and our worldview and always being able to uh, t- essentially give a defense for the hope that's within, but tell people why you believe what you believe because it gives you a right idea of the character of God yes. and who he is. And what's actually happening in our world. Mm. This is what is still going on. God says, if, if you really want to live that way, I w- and then your life, and then it says, and their life deteriorates. And then they gave themselves over, and God gave them over to that. And this is, this is where, so that's Romans 1. In Romans 6, Paul links the idea again. He says, um, those who, if you practice sin, you are a slave to sin. Right. He gave them over, and now this thing controls you. And you can't, you're, so the fantasy that you are living begins to run you, and you right. can't get out anymore. Hmm. WandaVision. That you, <laughs> and you and all these yeah. people are trapped, and you can't you can't get and you're out. Hurting of everything, and you're hurting everything. You're hurting yourself, and yeah, and then you're hurting yourself, and you and you can't get out, and you can't. And God says, if you'll turn from to me, I can break it all. I can mm. I can set you free. Well, that's why so many people that are lost on campus don't know that they're lost per se. They know it deep down, mm-hmm. but they have they know something's wrong, right? But they've concealed that in order to keep this. Mm-hmm you know, masquerade going, this facade. And if you've been listening to the testimonies that are happening at Chi Alpha on Wednesday nights, <laughs> yeah. 8 p.m., um, almost, most of them, as I've been paying attention to them, because it's a two or three minute version, they really just got to get to it quick. And they basically just say like, I hated my life. It's when you wake up to like, this is not working for me anymore. I, I started down this path. I pursued this degree, pursued this girl got bitter. I started down this path because I thought that it would give me life, but it's given me death. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's it's good to look at the lives of who you get your worldview from and ask yourself, is that actually where you want to end up? Yeah. You know, it's like, do you want to end up like this guy or this guy? And it's, it seems like they're they're not that happy. Yep. Even though you're, you're we, we've been convinced somehow I don't know why, I don't know how, that, uh, you know, you say, oh, well, fame and fortune doesn't get you happiness. And we're like, hmm, but I think it might work for me. (laughs) Okay, so Winky has this little thing. He says, three things you need to sin. Mm. The first one is, you think you're the exception to the rule. Right. Well, you know, (laughs) but I really love this person. Or I'll talk to people on Northgate. They're like, yeah, I know I shouldn't be here, but 
I just really need a break. Somehow your circumstance is special. You, you deserve to break the rules. It, you, you could get away with it. Hmm. Well, gravity might work for all these other people, but when I jump out this window, it won't work for me. I can get away with it. Hmm. And then you go, man, I'm not special. <laughs> you know, it, it, I ruined it again. It's all messed up again. And then the next one, just to, just to finish it. Yeah. The next one is, um, um, you think, I forget, I mixing these up. Um, God won't see. Right. Well, it's fine. He, you know, God's, he's far away and, mm. and he won't really, he doesn't really know what's or going like, on. Or like, that's especially with things that, that we think about, like in getting away with like little <laughs> things. We're like, somehow we forget that the person that's the most important knows exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the last one is that he won't judge me for it. Mm. And that, and so, and you hyper, also see hyper grace. how these go deeper and deeper into uh, non-reality about the character of God. You start lying about yourself, and at the end, you start lying about God. You say, "Oh, he's he he won't judge me for that," or he's just not real. Mm. There's very rarely, if you pay very close attention to the Psalms, and you look at what the wicked say, the wicked only two times in the entire Bible that I'm aware of. Do people say God does not exist? But if you care, careful attention, you know what they say all the time? Hmm. God doesn't see me. God won't bring this into judgment. Oh, he's totally fine with it. Yeah, yeah. God, God's cool with it. Yeah. Those things pop up all the time. Hmm. But God is not real? Very rare, actually, in the Bible. But that, that lie, if you really get to the bottom of somebody's heart, I think even in our generation, it's surprising how many people are just like, yeah, God probably exists. Mm. Real, like, straight-up materialist atheists are pretty rare. People right. who are just like, I think God probably exists somewhere, but he won't judge me for what. It's That's like, really the thing. It's like the guy I ran into today. He was like, oh, I'm atheist. I'm like, uh, I was like, why? And he's like, oh, well, I was in the Catholic Church. You know, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and something happened. And, yeah. So, funny. I don't know what that was. Um so uh wait what was i i'm i'm i lost my train of thought atheists are very rare yeah okay oh yeah so so that's similar to um this idea well why are you telling me this everybody can worship god in their own way and everybody can worship their god Uh and that's that's good yeah like that's a pretty common worldview now is that as long as you know there's multiple ways to heaven there's multiple ways to paradise yeah and, and essentially what that is, is God is basically cool with my way. Mm-hmm. He won't judge me for not following his way. My way is basically okay to him and, and he won't call it into account, mm-hmm. which is the, which is that third piece. Okay. Moving. Yes. Sin is, is itself death. God doesn't have to kill you. Sin will kill you. Just the fact that you've given yourself over to sin will kill you. And... God will let you give you over to the thing that you ask for. If you want sin, God will let you have it. He's he has committed himself to not use force with mankind. He'll plead, he'll he'll ask, he'll command, but he won't force anybody. He'll, he'll even put some a bunch of That's stuff right. in front of you for a while. That's right. The Tower of Babel. Boom boom boom. Mankind <laughs> mankind says 
Um, we don't have time to get into the supernatural stuff, but sure. the Tower of Babel is not just um, a symbol of pride. If you want to look into it, you want to you want to ask around about it. Essentially, what the Tower of Babel is is a um, you know people draw symbols on the ground and right. candles and what they're trying to do with the Tower of Babel is to channel demonic powers. Right. It's they, a pyramid. Mm-hmm. They are trying to gain supernatural power to rule the earth with evil's help and not God's help. They're trying like fulfill the divine mandate, but in an ungodly way, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Satan promised. You will be like God. That's what God wanted. That's true but in an ungodly way. And the means don't get you to the end. Here's the end that God promised. The means that Satan promises will kill you. The means that God promises will get you where he promised you. It'll go, you'll go through some hard stuff, but it'll get you there. In the same way, the Tower of Babel is saying, we're going to take over the earth, but uh, with evil's help and not God's help. Mm. We're going to channel supernatural forces to give us eh, it's creepy stuff. God comes down. Deuteronomy, let's flip there. Uh, uh, you gotta get, you gotta get something newer than the KJV. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is one of the this is one of the few issues with the KJV, and it's this verse. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance. So when did the Most High divide the nations? Tower of Babel. Tower when of he Babel. scattered. Mm-hmm. The language isn't so, confused. So what we're talking about right now is the Tower of Babel. When the Most High divided the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Hmm. So basically, here's the picture that this, that this verse is telling us. Mankind, in three rounds in the, the uh, garden, in the flood, and now at the Tower of Babel, has said, we don't want the creator God to rule us. We want to do our own thing. And finally, at the Tower of Babel, God says, okay, if that's what you really want, then I won't rule you. Splits up the nations into 70 different people groups. Arthur Custance has tracked them all down and finds, right, the Hittites become the Chinese. It's crazy stuff. I told you before this, I wanted to look into that. Splits up the nations into 70 different people groups, all with their own language, all with their own families, splits Mm. them all up, and gives them over to be ruled by their own principality. God says, if you don't want me to rule you, a demon, then I will give you spiritual, you can worship your own gods. Mm. You can worship your own gods. If you don't want me to rule you, you can worship your own gods. And we see that very common in Abraham's time. Okay. And then the very next verse. For the Lord's portion is his people. So the way I've had it described is it's like a it's like if the president of the United States It's another seed. Yeah. <laughs> if the president of the United States was the governor of Texas, he goes, Listen, I'm in charge of all of you guys. But I'm also going to pick one state to show you all how it's really done. The capital. Well, but even more so. So the vi- what happens right after the Tower of Babel? Um, I don't know. Okay. You turn the page from Genesis 11 to Genesis 12, and the opening lines of Genesis 12... 
Now the Lord said unto Abram. So God says, mm. if you don't want me to rule you. The, sto- the narrative is that's about fine. my family. Mm-hmm. Mm. God says, I don't, if you don't want me to rule you, okay. You can have it your way. And you can all. I will give you over to what you want. Romans 1. And then God says, but I'm not done with humanity. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, and to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you, and in you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Yes. God says, okay, if you don't want me to rule you, Become the nations of the world. Separate. Chop you all up. Give you all your own gods to worship. You can well, you can worship. If you don't want to worship me, you can worship what you want to worship. But this family is going to be my family. And I'm going to disciple these guys. And they are going to show the world what it's like to be ruled by me. And when the world sees what it's like to be my people, they're going to want to come back. And that's discipleship. Mm. God says, and then the world takeover happens all over again. God says, all right, we're going to take over the world this time. We're going to take over the world Disciple again. Disciple all the nations. All the nations of the world will be blessed. Right. I have not given up on my promise to take over the world. Mm. But this time it's going to be, I'm going to pick this guy, this family, and through then I'm going to show the world what I'm like. And I'm going to take over the world. And so then. So what's interesting about that though is what what I wanted to mention, or what we talked about mentioning, is the Proto-Evangelium. In mm-hmm. Genesis, it's interesting because, and, and then you can get into the, I'll, I'm not even going to spoil it, but it's interesting because if that is the case, then God, God in his divine wisdom, had a plan all along. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. so, mankind falls, and God says, I'm not done. My, like, I will have world domination. <laughs> Essentially, I will have world domination. So, and, dude, world domination just sounds like this very, like, sinister. But the earth is because the Lord's. It's, oh, it sounds sinister because we're used to corrupt men wanting to be That's the right. ruler of the world. And That's they're right. always evil. That's right. <laughs> I have had a mind trip imagining to myself, I think... I cannot, I really cannot, in my brain, imagine a person who is infinitely wise and perfectly innocent. The only thing in my brain is like evil geniuses, is like coming up with stuff for their own ends. I genuinely have a hard time imagining God. Like I can't, or I, I don't have a hard time imagining, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around someone who is perfectly wise and perfectly innocent. And this is the same thing where it's like, I, it's God wants to rule the world, but because it's his and because it, it's the the best thing for the world to be ruled by him. Like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> okay, world domination sounds bad, but if the world was dominated by Christ, if Christ really ruled the world, which one day he will, it's going to be perfect. An all loving, all just, and all merciful person. Yes. Well, who's better hands right. to have the world in? And it's, it is wise for Christians to get in line with this thing and say, yeah, I want the world to be ruled by Christ. 
my neighbor needs to hear this man you need to be ruled by christ and you and you and yeah this and and so that's what when when god picks abraham he says i'm not done when god said to adam and eve i'm not done this this serpent will be destroyed mm. and i will raise up a seed of the woman to take over the world again right. my my world domination plan is not done there will be a seed of the woman who will take over the world mm. and so that thing the world is waiting and so that's when and then in a- abram he reminds well even noah mm. so noah gets off the boat so genesis chapter 2 you got adam and he's surrounded by all the animals and god says be fruitful and multiply and you're like wow you know <laughs> the world's going to be great when god takes over through adam and it doesn't happen yeah and then and then but noah gets off the boat dude this right. is crazy the waters over the seas and then the spirit of god hovered and then light, yes. and then dry land, and then plants, and then animals, and then man. Mm. Noah, on Separated the boat, the water. Yeah. it says the wind blew, the right. spirit right. blew over the waters, and then the, it stopped raining, the sun came out, there's light, mm. and then the then the dry land appeared, and then the door opened, and then animals, and then Noah. God's signature. It's it's the recreation of the yes. world. And so, and Noah comes out, he's surrounded by, just use your imagination, he's surrounded by animals, and God says in Genesis mm. chapter 9, be fruitful and multiply. The same exact command he gave to Adam. Noah is the new Adam. Right. The son of son of man mm. is son of Adam. Adam means man. It's the same. So right. son of Adam. Noah's the new Adam. Oh, uh, well, you know, Noah didn't live up to our dreams of what Adam <laughs> ought to be. So we'll, go, we'll try again with Abraham. Mm. Abraham is the new guy that God is discipling to take over the world. And Abraham doesn't work. And so now we see the seed of God is still trying to take over the world and he's looking for a man to co-rule in a loving, trusting relationship. Mm, fully submitted. To take over the world. He will be the man that I'll use to take over the world. I'll entrust the world to his care. And so Abraham, uh, Abraham's kind of a screw up. So not him, Yeah. not Isaac, not Jacob. Well, maybe one of Jacob's sons, David. Yeah. Okay, David is seems the new, promise. David seems is the new promise. Adam. David yeah. is okay. Maybe <laughs> David will be the guy that God entrusts the world to to co-heir with uh, through love and trust, and and he'll take over the world. and And it seems that he will. Like mm. the kingdom expands like crazy. Right. This is the time when the nations will come back to Israel and realize that Yahweh is the true God, and they all ought to worship Him. Ah, David just grew up. Right. And then his son Solomon. This kingdom expands even further. The only time Israel has ever owned all the land God promised it to own. And Solomon's a screw-up. And maybe King Josiah. Nope, Josiah is It's not Josiah. Josiah isn't a screw-up. I don't know why I always feel like Solomon's more of a screw-up than David. Oh, Solomon's way bigger okay. of a screw-up. Okay. <laughs> for sure. But, so the point is, everyone is looking for the seed of the woman. Right. The son of Adam. Ever since Genesis. The new Adam who will be the one to co-heir with God reign over the world, bring the nations back into submission, and uh, and rule the earth. And that's why there's these lineages. So mm-hmm. you can track an exactitude that mm-hmm. God fulfilled his promise through a particular person from the line of That's right. Of and God promises to... So th- this is the person the world is looking for, a new Adam that will co-heir with God through love and trust mm. and reign over the world and bring the nations back to... to uh, relationship with Yahweh when they were scattered at Babel. And and then David comes along, and maybe we've got a lot of hope for David. And then God says, through you, that man will come. 
Mm. And and so this is where the and genealogies come, right? And he <laughs> thinks it's Solomon. He says your son, son is a general term, right. anyone after you. Right. So he thinks it's Solomon the way Eve probably thought it was Cain. Right. And then it wasn't Cain, and it wasn't Solomon. Yeah. Um, but okay. So now this is the true. This is the weight behind um, all, all of authority. With well, this verse. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Jesus is the new Adam, hmm. the son of man, who has come to co-reign with God, rule over the nations, bring them back into a loving relationship with Yahweh, and rule the earth on God's behalf. Hmm. Go into all the world. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I am. I am the new Adam. Hmm that is meant to rule over the earth. And I have proven my love and trust relationship to God by being obedient even unto death. And now all that authority is given unto me. I rule the world. Now you go and make, make disciples. disciples. Take over a new peace. Bring people back into a loving, trusting relationship with me. And raise them up to go and do it again. Genesis 1 and 2. Do it again. Do it until the whole world is overspread. Mm. Take over the world. Is world domination because Jesus runs the show. Jesus is the boss. He runs. He rules the earth. Mm. And now it's and now and now it's my job as a Christian to disciple the nations to take them over for Christ. It was always that's that's always even if I was in the garden with Adam, that would have been my job. Now now things look a little different. There's new elements added with you know. But so Jesus is claiming to be the Son of Man, which you just basically describe what that is it's the the seed that we've been looking for Super all the way since quick rundown but yeah. yeah but he's also claiming to be god himself in the in the name singular hmm. of the father the son and the holy spirit all authority is given to me in heaven who r- rules the heavenly host who has authority over the heavenly host hmm. only one the god himself if all authority is given to um and this is where the title Son of Man originally comes, in Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man rides on the clouds to the, to the right hand of God, and, and all authority is given to him. So he's prophesying of Jesus' return. What? No, that or is, that is Jesus' Jesus ascendancy. Mm. When Jesus is resurrected, all authority is given to him. And so um, when it says he rose and was seated, in Mark, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. He ascended to the Father and was seated at the right hand. Mm. That is the... That is the fulfillment of the Son of Man from Daniel chapter 7. Jesus is giving all, all, all the authorities being handed over to him. He has become hmm. the ruler over the nations. And Dude, he, it's very hard to not believe in, this, in the God of Israel, in the God of this book, when you lay out the story the way it was intended to be seen. It is very hard to say that's not true like dude uh there had to be a lot of people that were in on it over thousands of years for <laughs> for, for someone to pull this thing off like yes. it'd be all a lie yeah what so what we're claiming is that that what i've just described to you is the seed for the entire 40 different guys over a thousand years from all walks of life kings priests shepherds nobodies somebody's all kinds of guys 
contributed to this story, and it's one message. We are looking for the guy who will co-reign with God and rule over the world and take it over so that it can be back under God's rule. And that man is Jesus Christ. And God proved it by raising him mm. from the dead. And That's... now it's our job to take over the world mm. in his name and bring it under his submission and, where it properly belongs. And that brings us back to the life source. That is why we then live forever. And that is why we are blessed and no longer cursed. Like when it belongs Jesus. to him. Yes. When it belongs to him. Mm. That we will begin to live in Eden again. So it's not exactly like God wanted to curse man when they chose to take of the fruit and decide to be their own God. It's that is the results of you are now cursed because you are outside of my life-giving reality. I think both. Mm. I think that's a big piece that is not talked about a whole lot, but that is definitely a piece of it Mm. is that, uh, um, one part of the curse is thorns and thistles will grow unto you. And Arthur Custance talks about a thorn being a failed bud. Mm. When a flower was going to happen, but it didn't flower, it becomes a thorn. And his, his point is, is what is the same point with the predator prey thing that we mm. made. When mankind is not involved in loving care to cultivate, it'll produce thorns to him. Basically, God's point is because you're not going to be in charge of this thing anymore, it's going to outpace you and it's going to grow thorns and thistles to you. Isn't it crazy that thing about whenever you're unforgiveness, whenever you unforgive, it creates these neural pathways that looks like a thorn. A thorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jesus wore a crown of thorns. <laughs> and man, like, dude, That's right. you have to be... The curse was laid on his head. You have to be smoking something to like not see this. Like, and it's what's weird about it is like, until you hear the gospel message, the good news that there is a man that when we know him, we receive guidance to become like him Mm -hmm. that will cultivate into everlasting life. Mm hmm. Until we recognize that and see the reality of it, it's like the devil just can just slap us around. That's right. And he has just like, man, it's like so hard for people to see. It was like we've all kind of we've all been there. There's a certain point where we did not know what we know. That's right. And man, that's why these conversations are so important, because we need to be thinking about these things. It's not like this idea that has went into the the culture of the church where Man, you just got to believe to believe. Like, that is not what this book is asking us to do. That's right. At all. That's right. This this message, um, that's what it means to be a son of God. In the Old Testament, the sons of God are the, this is getting into it, but the angelic hosts who rule with God, rule mm. over the elements, rule over stuff. To become a son of God is not just not just to belong to his family. It's part of belonging to his family. There's an adoption thing there. But there's also a piece where it's like, you are responsible. Mm. You are joining God's family, and the family business is world domination. Mm. You are given responsibility. It's time to ter- put your hand to the plow and take over. You're responsible for your next 
next door neighbor. You are responsible for your next door neighbor. You're responsible for your community. The person you sit by in class. You are responsible for the nation. Mm. Your name, like, and this is why. So are we? Yeah. So in a humbling (laughs) way, when I walk around my neighborhood, when I walk up and down my street, I pick up every piece of trash I see. Or the the conviction that I have is anything that a bird can't pick up and safely make a nest out of, I pick it up and I throw it away mm. because it's mine. God has given this street into my responsibility. It's in my care. If I'm a Christian, this this is mine, and I'm going to take care of it. For, where it's God's, and He's entrusted it for me to take care of. And if it's and if He's given it to me in my responsibility, this trash I can't allow it on my street. Mm. I have to pick it up. And the same thing with your neighbor. You say, this classroom belongs to God and everyone in it. And this per- he, his, his, his life, his or her life is, belongs to him. And it's my responsibility to bring. So hmm. to your point about just believe, what are you believing into? If it's just to be like, punch your ticket to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Th- this story of what this book is saying is that you are believing into a responsibility Mm. that got to become a real human when jesus calls himself the son of man he's not saying i'm i'm so far beyond you right i i'm up here on this level and you guys are all down here on this level what he's really saying is what i'm up to is what you all should have been up to all along this is what adam was meant to do to be Mm. and when you become real humans a new humanity, a new creation, you will do what I am what I am doing. I will delegate my authority. All authority is given to me. Now you go mm. make disciples. So it's not just a sanctification for the purpose of... For my own happiness. Right. No. Yeah, because we think of it as like, oh, we're being sanctified so I can have a better relationship with God and I can just like be pure, whatever. It's It's a sanctification to prepare you for rulership. That's right. Mm. That's absolutely right. What sanctification is right, holiness, purity is right. But God, ha- there's a family business. God is up to something. Mm. God wants the world back <laughs> in His own hands. World domination, and yeah. and to be a part of His family is to be about that business. And and you can't sit on the sidelines. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom. There's only sons and daughters. And you mm. join the fight. You join that participate in in his mission to take over the world um we'll just do that <laughs> I'm not talking about that. so 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 this idea that uh you can just like you you just mentioned you can't sit on the sideline what does that mean can like can you have a relationship with god and and just stay in your house and be afraid of whatever is outside and just sit there and you're still good because you know you're trying to get close to god and you know all these things can you can you deny the like the the commands within the book that that or the, the commands that God has or the the things that God has designed us for can you just forget about those things and just you know sit and have a relationship with God and, and then you're good that'll get you into heaven kind of thing does can you call yourself a Christian or does that mean you're a Christian or do you have to join in with what God is doing. Um, (laughs) What's a good... Usually when these questions come up, I just think of like, there's something about my relationship with my wife that is going to work here. Right. And I... um, I... 
could my wife be really married to me if she and I had different goals for our lives? If I said, I'm going to be a missionary, this is what God has called me to be, to be a missionary at Texas A&M University, and she said, uh, I'm going to go this way, how long would we really be married? Right. God's mission is world domination. That's what he's up to. And he and he not just to make people feel good. And he has lovingly, tender like it's it's the most loving, most wonderful, most dignifying, mm. high calling to say. And now you, Bailey Mullins, get to be a part of it. Mm. Wow, right. what a blessing! <laughs> what an like. How could you deny that? That's a wonderful. I get to be right. a part of God's mission. And that's what that's make that helps make sense that your identity is one of royalty. Yeah, <laughs> not just because God said so or put a crown on his head, but because he gave you a ruling job to do. Mm. You are you're a king. And, um, <laughs> our idea of rich people right now is basically you move money around and then you sit back on your couch and watch the stock, stock market grow up. <laughs> In the old days, somebody who had no responsibilities was a slave. You don't run your life. You right. don't do anything. You don't think about anything. You just... Hoe the ground and do what somebody sells you. And and people chose that because it secured food. Because you don't have to be responsible for anything. Yeah. You don't have to think about anything. You just do what you just do what somebody said. Yeah. And and Christians are slaves. We do what God says. And this is the paradox of I rule, but I'm ruling on God's behalf. I'm God's servant, but I'm also the king. It's the right. So, it's so, the both and. But yeah. The, so the slave in our in our day, rich people have no responsibility. They just sit on their fat trust fund and get results and they do whatever they want. In the old days, a rich person had the most responsibility. Mm. The king had to run the whole show. He had to run the affairs of everybody. He had the most responsibility. It is a dignifying and immense responsibility to be called a king or queen in God's kingdom. It's a, it's a huge job. Not to say, right? There's a whole yeah. other message about how we're God's slaves and that's true. But... If we're talking about you are God's royalty, it doesn't just mean I get to read my devotional books and be close to God and God calls me royalty. If God calls me royalty, I got to live like royalty, Mm -hmm. which means taking responsibility, actually ruling something, saying this is mine and I'm going to, God has given it to me and I'm going to take good care of it because it's his, because I love him. So we have been deceived. (laughs) We have been deceived in the West to think that... Christianity means saying a prayer. Oh, totally. Going to church, being uh, nice to people, and, and we're good. Because th- this is where, where I want to get at. We, we've been both re- been reading Charles Finney. Oh, yeah. Talking about revival. And one of the things that just, boom, flipped my paradigm is because we're always praying for revival. We're like, God, I pray for a revival to come on the land. We see, uh, and we think of a revival as uh, non believers just. Oh, I need God. And then they start showing up at the church and we don't have enough room. And so we got to make house churches and all this stuff. Yeah. But what he described, what a revival of religion was, is what a revival of the the Christian church is, is actually revival of the, of the hearts of Christians. Of the church. Of the church itself. When the church, a revival. Yes. To come back alive. If it comes back alive, it must have already been alive. Who has already the church? The church comes back alive. Yes. Okay. So this is my question: 
what is the call then? Like if we're sitting here, if I'm listening to this and, and I've just been the cultural Christian, yeah. do I need to repent? What does that look like? Is it a repentance of the church? Like yeah. to repent from not walking according to the call in which we've been called as a real yeah. co- co-heirs of Christ? So we'll end with this. And um, we're hanging out with Matt Carpenter. So blessed. I mean, it was an incredible time. And I asked him, um, I said, you know, people say a revival is coming. A revival is coming. And I was like, when is it coming? Like, yeah. do you believe that? When people say that, what do you mean? Mm. The other piece that he that he mentions, Charles Finney mentions, and that Matt Carpenter mentioned is, when a revival comes, there's also a revival, a piece of God's character that was dead that the church remembers. They go, Oh, oh. God is like that, and the, all this activity, and they're like, "Oh, God's called us to be holy. We all we got holy holiness, holiness." And they preach, preach, preach holiness, and then everybody goes, "Oh, we for, we didn't know God. Yeah. God was like that. Oh, I can't believe it. you know." Um, that's another part of revival is the church not only comes back alive, but comes back alive to a piece of God's character. So mm-hmm. Matt Carpenter, he was like, "People say we're in a revival, and people mean different things by that." People yeah. mean signs and wonders, and if you're looking for signs and wonders, that'll be one thing that you're looking for yeah. in a revival. If you're looking for tons of lost people to get saved, that's one thing you're looking for in a revival. But he goes, a revival is a reminder, a waking again to a piece of God's character that we had lost. He says, I think we are in a revival now. And the revival that we are in now is a revival of discipleship. That this method... Mm of world domination has always been God's method. It is the method. It is the it is what Jesus Christ gave to us to take over the world with is discipleship. I train you and you take responsibility for your peace and you train someone to take responsibility for their and it mm. grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until it yeah. takes over the world. And he said we are in a revival now. That is the revival that we're in. Waking yeah. up to the to the forgotten peace that that is God's heart yeah. was God's heart from the very beginning was to take over the world through training a son, yeah. a spiritual son. Because right. if our hearts aren't synced up with the burdens that are on God's hearts, Jesus's hearts, you know, Christian just means little Christ. That's right. If if we're not synced up there, we can't call ourselves little Christ. We don't have the same goals. As Jesus, we're we're not the bride of Christ, like you said, comparing it to your 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 marriage. And it's yeah. like one of the things that stood out to me the most was this thing he was talking about. He's like, when a church is revived, they stop looking at the people that they pass every day just like walking trees, uh, and yeah. they become a human being that is on the path to somewhere that no one wants to go. Yeah. And it becomes real to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't told anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So Winky, like in conjunction with reading Finney's autobiography and the revivals of religion. And like, I've also been watching Winky, Winky Prattney's teaching on the history of revival. Mm. And he says, um, people walk around like masks on. They wake up in the morning, they put their mask on. They like, you know, go, go to work, go, go home and play this part in the fantasy land. He says, when people are awakened in a religion, the mask falls off and they look at their life and they go, Oh no. Oh God, it's all <laughs> fake. Yeah. It's all fake. And he goes, the thing that convicts you most in a revival is not the things you have done. 
oh, I can't believe I committed this sin. Oh, I can't mm. believe I committed that sin. I can't. He says, the thing that convicts you most in revival is what you have not done. Mm. What a waste your life has been. <laughs> when the lost look and just go, what if I, it's all going to burn. What am I doing? I can't believe I've spent all this life and energy and time on this waste of a time. To look at the world and see, like, that is what people are living in, really living in. Mm. If they don't wake up, they will arrive at the judgment seat with nothing to show for it. The rich man, God says to him, you fool, this night your life will be taken from you. And whose things, whose will these things be? You've got nothing to show. And to have compassion on people like that, to say, like, the guy I talked to on campus today was like, I'm just going along. Life is happening to me. Like these are the words in his mouth. Life is happening to me. In a state of acceptance. Getting a piece of paper and, Mm. you know, hopefully I'll flash that to some employer and they'll take me. Like Mm. God sees that and it breaks his heart. That's not what he made them for. Mm. He made them as royalty. He made that guy as royalty. So the message when we talk to those people is, no, you don't have to be stuck in the cycle of That's life. Right. You can repent, which means to turn from, and turn towards God. To God. Yes. Yeah. And then you will be given authority to rule alongside God in reality. So mm-hmm. no longer are you subject to the sins, to these things, but you actually get to live a life that is not ruled by the yes. wind of this yeah. age. Uh, the the reed shaken in the wind is what was Jesus calls it. And um, God sees that precious guy and wants that life for him. And as a Christian, I ought to see that precious guy and I ought to want that life for him. And to take myself out of the fight is unloving. Hmm. Say, well, you know, I got my Christianity and, you know, I'm going to grow in the Lord and let that guy slip into there's a there's a passage Jesus is talking to his disciples he says um, they're going to bring you before kings this is going to be the last thing because this is but this is really important they're going to bring you before kings and governors and they will put you to death but the very next verse but not a hair of your head will perish they will put you to death Mm. but not a hair of your head will perish what? (laughs) Death and perishing are not the same thing. Uh. To die means this physical body ceases to operate and move with life. Yeah. Perish means to become useless. Mm. Um, G. Campbell Morgan talks about a lotch. Oh, he, he's he's doing the same, describing the same thing with the word lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He says, "In my watch, I may have the watch. It may be on my wrist." But if the gears inside are broken and it's not working, it's lost. Mm. It has perished. It's useless. It's not doing the design that it was functioned for. It's lost. Perishing is a far worse fate than death. The world around us, that guy, he's not dead yet, but he has perished. Mm. He is not living up to the royal dignifying calling that God has called him to. He's perished. And that's a far worse fate than death. And that, and when people find, like, commit to their fantasy, I want to live in my own 
little bubble and I don't want God to intrude and I just want to play pretend that I get to do whatever I want to do, that's perishing. Mm. They are perishing. They are not living in reality. Their life is headed in a train wreck towards uselessness. God, God is pulling them back out, uh, out of that fantasy into reality. Say, no, you can live a real life. You can live a real meaningful life that'll, that'll mm. count for eternity. And, and to love someone is to join that mission and say, I want you to live for God. Because living for God is the only thing that will mm. save you from a life of meaninglessness, of perishing. Mm. Um, John 3.16, God, so God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not yeah. perish. Right, but have They will life. die, but they shall not perish. Dude, I think this verse wraps up exactly what we're saying. It touches on... Uh, the church's role and how and how we're not supposed to corrupt what this book says. We're not supposed to tell someone else something else just to get them in the door, get them to coming around us and, and all of these things. Um, and then it talks about the veil of deception that we're talking about, mm. this living in this fake reality and not knowing it. And then the perishing part, which is it's crazy that you said that. That's why it made me think of it. It says... Um, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and Man. underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest to know this. That's right. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from those who are perishing. Mm. Satan who is the God of this world, little g-God, Elohim, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. That's it. It's like everything we said. <laughs> you could have just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> could have just read that verse from the beginning. <laughs> well, I mean, like... yeah. You don't have to listen to me talk. Just, just read this book. Yeah, read this book, and and for real, and it's all there. For real, I what I, my, my prayer is, and what I've been praying throughout this is that this excites people to find a love for reading Amen. the word. Amen. You know, like getting to know God through this. Okay, what is what is it? You know, like people have a hard time sharing the gospel because they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, what is it that God is actually asking us to do? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a Christian? Why did Jesus call himself the Son of Man? What does all of this mean, and how is it relevant to discipleship now? And I'd say it's the most relevant thing to discipleship. Mm, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, Michael, you are a beast, bro. This is awesome. I'm like, <laughs> dude, because it was like, this is the second time you've been on the show. So if you haven't watched the first one, it was really good. We talked about the reality thing. That that was the whole thing last time. Right. Basically, <laughs> I guess that's just like... Like a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, it, yeah. Um, but this time I was like, man, he's already been on. We've gotten to know each other so much better, you yeah. know, even like through everything and just living life in proximity. And... Uh, it, and I just knew I was like, this one is gonna be just. Yeah, and it was. It, it it's. This is awesome. So Caleb, you want to give us the the rundown of what what this whole episode was about, and then we can get rocking. Yeah. So 
what I, f- I feel like we really talked about the entire time is reality. Mm. Going back to what you talked about last time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have a view of reality, and God has a view of reality. Our view of reality is we're doing it ourselves. I don't need God. Yeah. And that view of reality leads to death. Mm-hmm. It corrupts us. It corrupts the world around us. Um, and it leads to both death and perishing. Mm. Where God's view of reality is he's called us to cultivate and take charge of the world. He's given us an authority and, an, and a power that rivals anything our brain can even comprehend. Yeah. And yet we're choosing to live in our reality. Mm. When we cho- but when we choose God's reality, we can begin to awaken to what God has called us to do. And that is to claim this world for the kingdom of heaven. That's right. To march confidently forward in who God mm. has called us to be. And as the kings slash princes or queens slash princesses. of Christ. Yes, yeah. the ambassadors as God's children so that we can be mm. who we've been called to be. Yes. So that the world can be what it's been called to be. Mm. Because the world isn't what... God created it to be right now. Mm-hmm. The world is broken and full of thorns, going back to the yeah, thorn yeah. T- conversation. Yeah. And that is because of us. Mm. Yeah. So this we the, failed. So this <laughs> is this is the call. Yes. And I'm talking to Christians. If you're if you if you're not quite a Christian yet, I'm I'm really not talking to you. Um I love you, but but this is not I'm not saying this to you. The call is in the church if we really want God's purposes to be fulfilled through us if we really love him if we really are synced up with his heart then we must repent from our complacency and we must repent towards jesus coming to know his heart better Mm -hmm. We, we must repent away from the lies that we've been believing that it is okay to live a certain way that we really as men have determined for ourselves we've taken little pieces out of the bible out of this grand story, this grand narrative that's happened, and we've decided that's enough. These little pieces are enough, but the truth is it's not. And if we want to see a revival happen in America, if we want to see the loss get found, if we want to see them break free from the shackles of, of depression and all these things, we as a church must get honest with ourselves, yes. and we must, um, we, we, we must go out. And we must make disciples. That's right. And we must love the world. We have to be in the world. We can't sit back. Yeah. And uh, we must yeah. repent from our reality and turn to God's reality. Yeah. yeah. And what is God's reality? He wants us to take over the world. He wants to take over the world because He is good and loving <laughs> and He can rule the world better than we can. That's right. Better than yeah. our reality can or our brokenness or the devil. Yep. The, the take over the world part still makes me laugh. I'm like, take over the world. He wants to take over the world. Why does that have a bad inclination? It's because no one else can rule the no world. No one like else him. can. Thank you guys for watching, Michael. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, we are on all audio platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that stuff. Um, so if you're not subscribed on there and you want to listen, 
go to do go do that. If you're not subscribed yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And we have a newsletter on our website. So if you go in the description, createdcurious.com, you'll get a newsletter, which is basically a recap of everything, plus a biblical word of the week if you want to start learning more about what certain words in the Bible mean. So thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.